Welcome to the Reading Aloud Podcast, a place where the creative, emotional, and hilarious aspects of relationship communication are explored in real time by a real couple. That's us. And a baby. <laughs> Enjoy. All right. Ready? Ready, set, go. Well, you wanted to start this podcast, so let's go. I want to talk about your big ass ego. (laughs) Oh, that's my favorite topic. I think I'm amazing ego. (laughs) So I was doing a Peloton workout this morning. So the Peloton instructor said, you will never be too much for someone who can't get enough of you. Love it. I love it. Love it. And she was like commenting on her quirkiness because she was being really weird and quirky. And I think she, you know, we tend to catch ourselves in those moments and feel like embarrassed or shamed or like, oh, I got to get back in the box, the box of normalcy. And instead she was like, uh, never mind. I draw in this amazing quote. And for me in particular, that's an important one because I weird. Yeah. Yeah. You're pretty weird. How am I weird? You are... You're direct, but a lot of people are direct, but you're direct in a kind of just a very quirky way. Like I think that you you operate really well when you feel like people are just tuned into you and you don't have to say everything that you're thinking and you're able to kind of like jump from point A to point B. And there are some people who can follow along and I'm getting much better at it. But like (laughs) that that's what makes you weird because people can't either keep up or follow your process often so they're like what is she talking about but that makes you seem weird and then you combine that with directness wait so i know people like this am i one of them i think you are when you're at your like best self best Ooh, i'm the weirdest at my best self yeah Like when we're recording podcasts and you're really excited, you'll just like bounce around and interrupt. I'm pretty sure we've already done that. Yeah, exactly. And and that's 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 who you are, and that's your weirdness. And I can't get enough of it. (laughs) Wait, so what's the quote again? You can't be too much when somebody can't get enough of you. Oh, I love that. You know, and I I think that the thing is, is that I I think that even in this relationship, I thought that there would come a day where you were like, she's just too much. I think that it's in some ways, this is somewhat of like an element of low self-esteem, but in other ways, it's just it's when you're weird and the world doesn't celebrate weirdness unless you're just over the top weird and have made something of it like an actor or an artist or something like that and then they're known for their weird but like uh, if you're just like a regular gal who's weird you know you end up getting looked at funny yeah yeah and that's a shame you know I think I'm a I'm a full supporter of people truly embodying who they are and showing up in the world unapologetically as themselves. I think you, you know, took we, that from my website. <laughs> pr- probably. I probably wrote it for your website. But I, a huge supporter of that. You know, we love queer culture. That is ingrained a lot in that culture. Yeah, uniquely themselves. Uniquely themselves, like that kind of language and, and really motivation. I have a question for you, though. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, you brought up, you thought that I would... I would probably eventually say she's too much for me. Yes. At what point do you think that being unabashedly yourself... Unabashedly? Yeah. Is it, no, <laughs> be, no. Being good. unabashedly yourself 
starts. I mean, you to, choose big words sometimes, and then you just choose that. Then, then, then I you just make butcher well, you yeah, make, make them up, them up. <laughs> but but you up. but you go for the big ones. I, I go for I it. I commend I you mean, for that. I mean, I'm you're uh, unabashedly yourself. Unabashedly, <laughs> you know, uh, well spoken. <laughs> no, but my question is: Do you have any thoughts on when that dynamic starts to cross over into the ego, or starts to impact others negatively? And is that okay? You know, like where is that balance? Where is like I'm fully embodying my weirdness? I'm who I am. If you don't like it, get away from me. And which I'm totally down with. But at the same time, how do you mold operating within both the relationship and the world in that sense? Because at a certain point, you are maybe being too much. No, I would never say too much because I think that that's just like the word. That's what we got to get rid of. What I hear you saying is at what point is it no longer effective for, I mean, like assuming that the idea is intimacy and closeness and relationships is and connection, that at what point does then it start working against you? Like weird for the sake of being weird or weird to then never be, you know, because there are people in this world who are by design. I mean, I think fours on the Enneagram are by design uniquely, like they're terminally unique. They're always feeling different, but it's not that a lot of those people are our artists in this world and it's not a bad thing. And yet then like what you're talking about is at what point does it cross over into it's starting to negatively impact other people and or oneself. And I think that it's always down to what's our motivation. So is the motivation, whether known or unknown, to push people away. Like, I'm so different. You'll never understand me. You'll never relate to me. And I can identify with a little bit of that, like, not in the, I'm going to be weird so that nobody gets me, but that my weirdness does extend into the realm of, does anybody understand me sometimes? And I think when I heard her say that today on the Peloton ride, and again, what's the quote? It is, um, you can never be too much for somebody who can't get enough of you. And it's like, I find that experience in you. And I guess, I guess when she said it, I was like, okay, there are worlds where there are people who just love everything about you, including the mess, including the quirkiness. Yeah. So let me ask, let me ask one more thing. Cause you brought up ego at the beginning. And I, I think it's interesting because one of the ways that this, I think I'll be vulnerable here and share something about us for our listeners. One of the ways that we've had some conflict with you being you and me having a hard time dealing with it is your kind of straightforwardness and directness in our relationship. And ideally, I would say I want you to be that because that embodies who you are. And in no way do I want to take a take away that part of you. At the same time, I do feel like there has been some, and I'll just say it, I think there's some necessary learning on your part to how to, to kind of titrate that and be tuned into the other person or, you know, understanding of where they're at at the moment too, so that it's a little bit more of a collective sense. So I guess my question then comes down to how do you learn within your weirdness? I think that's what I'm trying to ask. How do you learn within the weirdness or the quirkiness of yourself? I may not have the intention of upsetting you or hurting you or in, and I think when I first met you, there was a part of me that was very powerfully attached to, I am just me. This is just me. You know, I talked about this with some girlfriends once because I was like, you know, culturally, this is very much in line with one half of my culture, which is the Puerto Rican side. And 
you know, I value that directness. I value that for me, it embodies confidence, straightforwardness, like not taking things personal. It's just like, it is what it is yeah, that, that in the beginning I was very attached to that. I was like, is my culture, it's who I am. And I think that that comes from pushback in two directions. One is from, we live in North Carolina. It's real sweet here. It's really <laughs> sweet. And I feel that that quality of like, I mean, people are like, well, maybe, but if you want, could possibly, thank you so much for considering. I really appreciate all the, th you know, it's like, what the fuck are you trying to say? I don't even know what you asked me. And also quit assuming that I can't handle hearing the truth in under 10 seconds. Like, tell it to me. I don't want all that other stuff. That That's an insult to me that you would think that I couldn't handle it with all that sweetness not I wrapped up. I want to know what's in the chicken and dumplings at Cracker Barrel. I just want to know. just want to know. And don't assume that I'm asking because I'm not going to like it. I'm just curious. Like, again, it's so straight to the point. You know, after essentially forcing you to accept that about me and you genuinely doing your best to accept that about me. I started to soften into, okay, what, what else is going on here? Like one, what if it's still, because it continued to impact you and it does continue to impact you. And it's like, what do I do about the fact that this still has a negative impact on my spouse and something I'm doing that feels inherent to me, but could potentially be altered, not to get rid of it, but altered could support him feeling better. It's like, at what point am I willing to look at that and say, it doesn't matter what's inherent to me. I also want to support you. And, you know, because at first I was just like, figure out a way to deal with it. The other thing is just watching where it actually has been dysfunctional in my family, where it actually has led to rupture in relationship. So it's like, it was all good when everybody was getting along, but when people stopped getting along and even stopped speaking to each other, at what point then is it like, I wonder if a little bit more empathy towards the other person and the way that they're impacting them could have salvaged or saved this relationship. Well, and also how old are we in our thirties still? Yeah. So, you know, when I met you, I was 30. When we met, you know, I think there's also the question of like, did I think I knew everything at that point? What would it hurt to learn another way if I always have that inherent nature in me, so I can always come back to it, but I can also always learn a new way because again, it continues to impact people. So I do think that I've found probably the hardest place has been in this relationship, but in other places I found this balance and without becoming coy or passive or things that like really don't resonate with my personality. But on my end, I think that what comes up for me is this quote that I really love, which is do more than you think you have to. Right. And from my perspective, and I would like to actually address maybe one thing that is part of my personality that is different. So we've talked about your directness, but in terms of the directness, from my perspective, like the way that I embrace it, and I've learned this the hard way, is not to stay focused on what you need to do to change. It's staying focused on how I can embrace that aspect of your personality and then trusting and relying on you to also understand what are the negative qualities in it and, and trusting you to do that work yourself. 
and then we build that trust together. But if I'm so focused on, I need to change this part about you, I need to change, which which I have been in the past, and it has not worked out. And one, one thing I've learned in helping to, I'll just say facilitate, you know, somebody or helping to be a support in guiding them to understanding a new aspect or a healthier aspect of, you know, a trait that they have is to really just focus on you learning to embrace it in the first place. Yeah, accepting people where they are or what you often hear, acceptance is the answer to all my problems. And it is not giving in, but because you you are also recognizing in that acceptance that you're really just taking the toxicity and the negativity away from yourself. But you know, you also get to make decisions while accepting. You can say, I accept that this person is like this. And maybe that also means that I need to accept that they shouldn't be a part of my life. Now, that's not the case for you and I. But I will say, you know, I mean, that is another level of acceptance. But, you know, I also recognize that all of the teachers, like nonviolent communication, Thich Han, who passed away this week, and all of our teachers who we have read from and thought about and studied, they're all talking about what you're talking about, just tenderness and acceptance. For example, when we read Thich Nhat Hanh, you get takeaways and I get takeaways from the same passage, and they're different takeaways. I am always reading those thinking, wow, Adam has had it right all along. And you're always reading them thinking, wow, I have a lot to learn. And at least that's what you expressed to me. And and so I think that that's interesting. But where do you think you get this deep understanding about what you're talking about? Positive reinforcement, uh, accepting people where they are. I mean, do you know how long I have practiced those with somewhat no success at times and somewhat little success? Yeah, I mean, that's a good question. I think off the top of my head for me, some of it actually comes from this kind of conflict avoidant culture that I've been in. And um, and one thing that I've actually tried to really dispel that that side of me and, and learn from you and be more direct and be more vulnerable. I think the things that like, you mentioned NVC, nonviolent communication, Thich Nhat Hanh. I would also say when we listen to Brene Brown and Glennon Doyle and like those teachers, I often think, oh, Mighty Soul's got this all figured out and I have a lot to learn. So I think there's another side of it too. And I, th- anyway, but specifically on me, I think it, it was easier for me because I come from this conflict avoidance. So the path of least resistance is often, in my opinion, positivity. Um, I mean, barf, barf. <laughs> I, I mean, I just think I'm so over that word. And, I, and you know, people have started, what is the book that, that your friend The Sam? Antidote. And I have not read it, but they essentially explained it to me. And if anybody's read The Antidote, we would love to, to hear your thoughts on us. Reach out to us on social media or our email, which is in the show notes. If you have read The Antidote, essentially how it was explained to me was, it was about how this kind of culture of positive thinking has really hurt our society in a lot of ways, mm-hmm. just to put it plainly. Mm-hmm. And I know you're talking about something different, but like, I think I'm just over the word positive. Thank you, Neo. Heyo! We hope that you're enjoying this episode of the Reading Aloud podcast. If you're interested in learning more or inquiring about working directly with Mighty Souls Fashion Therapy or Adam's Modern Man Training, you can totally do that. You can find Mighty Soul at Soul Reflection 
soulreflection.com. That's S-O-L-reflection.com. Or follow her on social media at soulreflection. You can email Adam directly at adam at modern-man.org. We hope to hear from you. Now let's get back to today's conversation. I think I'm just over the word positive. We're in a freaking pandemic and we're going on year three. We're going to start year three unless it goes away. Come on, pandemic. Go away. Go away. <laughs> bye bye. We're so close. Barf. Um, well, I think I think for me, I mean, I, this is why I always come back to it's it, for me personally. It's just this culture of never ending learning. And I think that's really important because clearly it is not all about being positive and and it is also not all about constantly looking to be, I don't know, negative or like the other side of it. I mean, we are consistently trying to create balance and being able to hold multiple truths at once through transitions. All that's a ton. And each situation is different and unique. Each relationship is different and unique. And so that's a constant learning process. All you can do is continually keep an open mind, but at least that's my philosophy on what we should be striving for. So why are we talking about your ego? Well, it came up because you have somehow like super locked our blender top to the, <laughs> the bullet like a neutral bullet thing the thing that screws on the container yeah the, bl- just the blender top the it's blender on top. forever and i took it with me this morning we both went to drop off our baby to our nanny and i took it with because i knew that i mean I, I, she's a strong woman and i was like I'm taking this to her to see if she can open it. And then when I saw the car there that her friend was there, I was like, that's also a strong woman. I was like, between the two of them, they're going to get this lid off. And they couldn't. Fine. It's okay. It's really on there. They, they, it's like the sword and the stone. It's, it's the like sword. an Excalibur in there. No one can get it off. I don't and know so, what happened. And so I was like, all right, my parents are on their way. We're going to let my dad. And I was like, maybe my dad can get it open. And I could just see your face. And I, and I called you. I was like, that's not okay, is it? And you're like, it's just not. <laughs> well, you know, it's weird because, again, it's like those are the kind of things that if somebody asked you on a test, you would be like, no, I don't care. The most important thing is getting the top off. But in the moment, yeah, that's it's like your ego flares up. Like. But yours does. Mine doesn't. The other day, I couldn't get the top off because this thing's tricky, right? I couldn't get the top <laughs> off. And I called you at work. You were working from your office. And I was like, can you drive by this bride? I was shopping for somebody for a wedding outfit. And I was like, can you drive by the bridal store in the snow? It was like snowing. Yeah, it was. It January, snowed heavy the night before. January the roads were 3rd, still kind of. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, can you drive over here and open this for me? And I was just like, I got to get this thing open. I need help. I'm like, who can help? I looked at something the other night and I was like, mm, that looks hard. Help. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad this is definitely a difference between us. Although this is a little bit off topic, but it comes up for me. You're the type of person that as soon as some sort of obstacle comes up, if delegate. <laughs> exactly. Somebody just told us this quote the other day. They said, the question is not how, it's who. And I thought that was interesting. But you're the type of person, like, as soon as something doesn't go right, you're if somebody's in the vicinity, you're like, how do I do this? 
And I'm the type of person that will, something comes up, okay, what can I do to figure this out? And I think it benefits us both in certain situations. Like you'll say, I have no idea how to do this. And I say, well, I don't either, but I have worked out my muscle on figuring things out. I think sometimes you need to work out your let me figure this out muscle. And I think I need to work out my muscle of asking for help. We need a mediator. Yeah. Where's Trouser? Oh, golly. She was always the mediator. Well, I know, but you just drop Just drop in. that trouser. Drop trowel. <laughs> drop trowel here. Oh. I mean, her entire life is flashing before my eyes. Yeah. You can't just do that. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Got caught up in the moment. All right. I think my inability to tolerate challenges is a weakness overall i like perseverance kind of thing or? yeah perseverance and endurance um figure it outness stick to itness etc although you would be surprised at what i do when i'm on my own like i've never gotten stuck in a situation and collapsed under pressure ever on my own i i'll either find a workaround or i'll figure it out honestly i'm really resourceful because i don't know i just i've always my whole life felt very self-sufficient and meeting you I backed off some of that self-sufficiency and I think that that's good because I went from being completely independent to being interdependent but also you know if we look at the positive side of it I'm just real damn efficient you just go in and it's like I can't do it you do it quick go which (laughs) ends up being a lot of bossing you around but until you start complaining about it I'm just gonna keep doing it I think there are times when it's efficient. I wouldn't always say it's been the most efficient. So if I could spend 10 minutes trying to open that top or hand it to you, like the the baby bottles, when we're cleaning baby bottles. I think that's a situation and where And I hand it's it been, to you and you get it done. I think that's a, a situation where it's efficient. Mm-hmm. I think there are situations with figuring out things on the computer where you could have learned it once and then not had to ask over and over again how to do it. I think there's an aspect, a masculine energy, which isn't male or female, but I think it's an aspect of masculine energy to have some sort of level of independence and figure it outness. No, 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 no. I'm not talking about figure it outness. We have determined that the bullet is locked. The smoothie will not open. Oh, got it. I I was imagining something with a gun. I was like, the bullet is locked. The bullet. Got it. Yeah. It's not, it's not figure it out. It's when I suggest that someone else can step in. Right. If I can't do it. Yeah. yeah, It's not figure it out. It's it's a matter of you being like, no, no one else will do it. In fact, we will throw it in the trash before we let someone else open it. You were like, I can't believe you brought it to the nanny this morning. Right. Yeah. Were you, were your feelings hurt? No, I was good. But the thing is, is like, that's just a, I wouldn't play into that for an extended period of time. It's like this initial reaction that's there, but then I want somebody to open it. Clearly we can't. I don't want to throw it away. Like, I think you're adding on a layer of stubbornness there that's not actually who I am. Uh, okay, we found the topic. That's what we'll talk about. Are you or are you not stubborn? Are you kidding me? You think I'm stubborn? Adam. I think I have some stubborn tendencies, now, but I don't think I don't think I'm very stubborn. No. I don't even know what to say. 
I am floored. I feel like you've Tell even me. called yourself stubborn before. I think there are occasions when I'm stubborn, yeah, but I wouldn't like put myself in the camp of well, I'm we, a stubborn person. I think I'm ooh, very flexible. Boy. I can I can be in many different situations. No. The, the, so there's differences. Uh, the, I, I, we, we don't have enough time to explain it all, but I will do my best. To me, that's a little bit passive or pushovery, honestly, where you're like, yeah, you can do whatever you want. We can watch whatever you want. I would, in those instances, you're not stubborn. You're actually just like almost overly accommodating because I want you to have an enjoyable life too and make, you know, I want you to have preferences. Like if we're watching TV, I want you to pick the show sometimes or the movie. The stubbornness is when you, it's like the pivoting moving in another direction like and it's not just that it's hard for you because you talk about it takes me time to process the change it's not just that you will often then dig your heels in and you get this like I'm walled up I mean it's it's a visual too it's an energy so it's not always things I can explain on a podcast but you become very stiff rigid and walled up and inflexible so whereas you are flexible about a lot of things you also once you get into something you are not moving in another direction. I don't necessarily think, and, and maybe this is just me being stubborn, but I don't necessarily think that that makes me an overarchingly stubborn person. I think that I just get, like you said, I, I have trouble changing directions sometimes, but it's not because I don't want to. It's because it takes me longer to kind of process, okay, now I'm doing this. Be- you know, it's like a little bit Fred Flintstone, you know, and then I go. And so when I'm going, if I have to turn, that's harder for me. I guess I see stubbornness as a different trait is what I'm trying to say. I think that I have watched you dig your heels in around things that you're, you've decided you're going to do or that we're going to do. I think the other snow day was a good example. You're like, we are going outside and I'm like being dragged along, you know, and it was just like my way or the highway. You were so adamant, you know, stubbornness is basically like, you're just not going to do anything other than what you want to do. Yeah. And I mean, I agree that I have times Mm -hmm. like where, where I am like that, but I think overarchingly. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I don't know if this is the right direction, but I do have a little bit of learning that I wanted to learn. Yeah. Something I wanted to learn. Okay. That situation with the shoe thing comes up a lot when you're trying on clothes. Not only does it happen almost instantly, like even when we were at Target, I was worried that me asking you, because you wanted to buy a shirt, and I was worried that me asking you to try it on was going to trigger this like thing that happens where then you get in a bad mood, basically. And then I get so anxious because I'm afraid. But in addition, like, it's also my favorite thing in the world, clothes to try on. Like, that's such a fun thing for me. So it's really hard that you absolutely hate it and get really overwhelmed pretty quickly. I think I just want to understand what happened with the shoe thing because I really judged you for that. I got really frustrated with you. Why is he embarrassed? These people don't care. They're our friends. It's something I really wanted you to try on. And, and because I almost bought you the that brand of shoe for Christmas. And I'm just like, I I'm, was thinking maybe in the future I would. And I just wanted to know what size you wore. Yeah, I hear you. I'm sorry that that upset you so much. Well, I don't necessarily have a very good answer. Like, I can't give you this is why. Do you know those times when you can feel the tension and the anxiety start to raise in you? I was experiencing that. Like, it's a it's a micro, 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 like, little panic attack. I don't know why that happens. 
in certain situations, but it does. I'm sure I have a lot of work to do to figure out why those things occur to me. But especially in that case, I was having like definite anxiety. I'm starting to sweat profusely. My face is getting red. I'm getting frustrated. I can punch through a wall. And like I need to stop in that situation. I guess there's some part of me that doesn't like that type of spotlight. That's not a type of spotlight that I like to be in. It's like stage fright, but certain times on the stage I'm fine, other times I'm not. And that was a time when I'm not. And I agree with you, it does often happen around trying on clothes here and there. I think that's something that we can dive deeper into. And the pressure in those situations, like pushing me through it, doesn't feel good in my body. Mm -hmm. I think sometimes it's great. And sometimes it's worth it. And then there were times like that where, like, I'm having anxiety and I need to stop. Mm -hmm. Well, first of all, thank you for sharing that. I really do want to understand because when you explain it like that, it helps me to truly understand what's going on. Because, of course, I make up the story, which in my mind, what I made up was it was a little embarrassing and you can't handle feeling embarrassed. Maybe that's true. And I think embarrassing is a broad term. Like there's certain things that I'm fine of being embarrassed about, but like, you know, self-confidence, self-worth is something that I've really struggled with throughout my life and especially a lot recently and I've worked a lot on. And so when you struggle with self-confidence in your life, embarrassing moments are really hard. Mm-hmm. They're extra hard. If Now there's somebody who's super self-confident, even like super egotistical, like they don't mind to be embarrassed because they don't give, they, they like, you know, have a lot of confidence. And for me, who has struggled with a lot of confidence in my life, who's been made fun of, it's like, I think that, yeah, I do struggle with embarrassing moments. Yeah, I do struggle with that. Mm-hmm. It's hard for me to see you feel embarrassed because I, I never am embarrassed for you, meaning like embarrassment is feeling ashamed of oneself in a situation. And I I looked around at the love between the three of us or the three people who were there, and then you, and it's just like, you know, nothing to be embarrassed about. But that's, that's because I don't, yeah, exactly, exactly. Okay. If I tell you a funny story, will you tell me (laughs) if, if you would have been embarrassed in this? Because I, my response to it, was I said to my friends, if I was somebody who got embarrassed, I would say that this would have embarrassed me. So I'm on Marco Polo and I set the phone on the floor to put some clothes away. And I, so I'm in a crop top hoodie and my underwear. And as you know, it has been a long time since I've had a good bikini wax. And I am dying for one, but it's just like, I cannot find the time. And it just, that just never feels right. So I have been like making fun with friends about how like it's blowing in the wind. My pants tore, some pants I had tore. It's like they, they, they found their way out of the pants. Like it's hysterical. And I turned in the Marco Polo to put something in a drawer. And I realized I bet my, my ass and my pubes and all of my stuff is hanging out. And I and I look back and I'm like, there it is. And so, I, you know, I, I tell them, you know, if I was somebody who's going to be embarrassed, this probably would be the most embarrassing thing that's happened to me. And then I watched back through the Marco Polo and my boob fell out at one point. 
like the shirt came up and my nipple popped out. And, you know, my butt, it was like the perfect angle to make it as round, like it filled the whole screen and my cellulite, all the things that I think people would typically be embarrassed about and the pubes. So would that have embarrassed you? Um, It's hard to know. It's hard to know because those aren't your things. Those aren't my things. And I wouldn't necessarily have been put myself in that situation in the (laughs) first place. Because it would be too embarrassing. Well, I I guess so. You know, uh, yeah. I mean, I also know like when I'm on men's trips, I go on like skinny dipping is a common thing that happens. So there's no like women's trips. too. Yeah. Women's trips. Well, at least for me, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, but that's different. No, no. Yeah, here's the difference. Embar- skinny uh-huh. dipping is I choose to take my clothes off in front uh-huh. of you. Turning and yeah, not realizing uh-huh. that you're like shit's hanging out. And it's a particular view that you don't necessarily find that desirable or flattering that yeah. I was embarrassed that I didn't even know that it was hanging out. Right. And so I guess I probably would be embarrassed in that situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you just said, I'm not a person that gets embarrassed. But there have been times, I think some of the times that you've been the most upset with me, we've been with other people and we get back in the car and you're like, you embarrassed me. Yes. And I will explain this. And and so, yeah, explain that. Like, what's the difference between that type of embarrassment? So in that instance, nobody did anything to me. But in those instances, like you were hurtful as an attempt to make a joke out of something, but you took it too far and you weren't tender in those instances, too low of a dig on something that actually is meaningful. And you will do that from time to time. Like you'll, because we do like to make fun of ourselves and each other. Uh, like when I said, oh, you go for the big words on a bash. And that's really funny, but but in those times, like you went for something that was more meaningful, like, you know, it was the breastfeeding was the last one. I mean, everybody on the other side of this podcast is going, oh, man, uh-huh. you know, you like took yeah. a dig at the breastfeeding, yeah. not on purpose. But either way, you know, it's yeah, like it's, that's that, an intent over impact uh, most often. But yeah, but it's but still the impact is real. You think it's funny to like get, you know, we had we had some friends that used to we used to like to make fun of each other with. And you would kind of get on a roll with the the wife of the group. And it was just like every once in a while, I'm like, took it too far, babe. Uh-huh. Yeah, too far. I understand. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Cause but it wasn't me like like the time feeling I, embarrassed. It was yeah. it was more hurt being hurt rather yeah. than embarrassment. I and, hear it, that. and embarrassing. I guess there have been times when like I want to present a certain image. That's another one. Yeah, wanting to be seen in a certain light, and then something gets exposed. I understand that. Yeah, that's probably that's hard. Yeah, yeah. Like you don't know something, or you know, it's hard. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, that's good. I'm going to thank you for sharing that. Thanks, y'all, for listening and participating. We always have a great time with you. And if you enjoy the podcast, please go online and rate, review, share this with your friends. This is the way that we build this community. Yeah. All right. Bye. Bye.